All right, Anthony on Air podcast, as we get more details into this scandalous relationship between Becky Falwell and Giancarlo Granda, we're going to dive into these. Another allegation coming forward from a Liberty University student and a study that says conservative men are more likely to fantasize about somebody with their wives than uh, non-conservatives. And on this very special episode, my wife joins us. Cuddles is here. Hi, Cuddles. Hi. Only appropriate that we do, uh, we're talking about sharing wives, and my wife comes on to this episode. Now, you can't see her because uh, she's watching our kids right now. Um, they're in another room, but she's got an eye on them, so uh, that's why uh, she's not on screen. But uh, she joins us on this episode. It's been a while since you've been on. Last yes. time was about, uh, we talked about 365, the Netflix movie. So, Yes, I seem to get on with all the dirty topics <laughs> we'll put that uh, in the description below if you're watching on youtube uh it's over there on the youtube channel not on facebook or any of our podcast networks okay so giancarlo grando was on good morning america this morning and he laid out some of the details of their first encounter down there in miami he says that he met the couple he was the pool boy at the um the uh what is it the font blue the font blue hotel famous hotel in Miami, he was the pool boy. He met the couple, they talked, they were discussing things. Um, it was originally just Becky and there was some flirtation and some back and forth as he describes. She invited him to go back to her hotel room. He agreed and then she said, my husband will be there as well. And then he was sort of taken aback. And this is all from Good Morning America. Again, we'll put a link to the in the description below to this uh, interview that was on Good Morning America. It's the first time Giancarlo Grande is speaking to especially a, a television outlet. Um, and so that's kind of how it all got started. I, now, I'm, I would love to know how it got started between the two of them. Yeah. You know, that like who breaks the ice in that conversation between husband and wife of like, hey, you know, it would be a good idea if we had somebody else in here uh, with a jackhammer. That's That'd be a nice, like who's, oh, who's the person to spark that uh now somebody in the comments of our last video told me that they had a boyfriend who actually two boyfriends i think she said that were sort of into that kind of a that thing kink. that kink mm -hmm. and and that they brought uh they were the ones who brought it up to uh to her which i would imagine yeah. would be kind of intimidating to a, a woman to a degree oh yeah yeah that's kind of that's kind of a lot like you got to kind of like it's it's kind of like saying I love you for the first time in a relationship. You got to be pretty confident in that return. I love you or else things are going to get awkward fast. Yeah, that's not a lot of women are into that. I know that men are, but a lot of women aren't because we're more emotional. So for me, it's like a confidence thing, if you're not 100 percent confident in yourself as well as your relationship, it's it could ruin your relationship. And by the way, this is absolutely not my thing. And I don't want to make anybody feel bad about that. Like, I want to reiterate again, no. if this is your kink, good for you. If As yeah. long as it's consult consenting happy adults and everybody's in the room is okay with it, you knock yourself out, all right? You get five or six dudes in there for your wife if yeah. that's what does it Sometimes, for you. Sometimes, you know, the good. more the merrier. Yeah, good for you. Make it a Christmas party thing. Hang up some mistletoe. <laughs> Nobody here is going to judge you whatsoever. Um, I am just, I, I am still kind of like, I feel like, I feel like Michael Scott a little bit. Like I, I just giggle and I'm just, we, it's weird about it. Cause it's such a strange. Cause we have so many questions. 
A lot of like, questions. Like, what do you say? And like, how did Becky like say to John? Like, how does it all? Well, this we know about. So there was some flirt. So that's basically she basically invited him back to the room and then was like, oh, by the way, my husband is there. So uh, I think he was weirded out. And then she said, assured him like, no, it's that's just his thing. Don't worry about it. And then she was kind of like, hey, meet me later. Like, let's meet for a drink or whatever. Now, I think that's kind of how it works. You get in there, you get to a bar, little social lubricant, you know, a couple cocktails, a couple shots, whatever it is. You loosen things up. That's what I'm assuming. Now, I know there was drinking because he says this later on in the story that after they left the other hotel and they went back to the room, uh, he said, and I'm quoting here, Jerry was laying on the bed. He was drunk and he was giggling. Uh, Becky Falwell had been flirting with him at the Miami hotel where he worked and invited him to the hotel room for a little action, telling him her husband liked to watch. He said that he soon met Falwell, a leading voice in the Christian conservative politics for the first time. So again, he wasn't there during the first meeting. Uh, Grande said the two men awkwardly discussed the parameters of the impending encounter. He insisted that during that first encounter, he reassured Falwell that if the older man became uncomfortable, he would leave saying, hey, quote, if at any point you get jealous or you want me to back off, just let me know and I'll walk out that door, end quote. Grande said Falwell reassured him, urging him to go for it. Oh, God. I just can't imagine. I, I just can't imagine. I mean, I know this this happened. I mean, I guess they're denying it or he's denying it at least. I just, it's just so, it just feels so... Because it's not something that you're interested in, so you don't, you can't understand why someone else would be that way. Like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like if it's like licking feet. I know people like licking feet, but it's not my thing. As you can hear, it's not my wife's it's thing. It's not. Either. I, I skeeve. But what's oh different about God. this than licking feet is there's other emotions involved because there's another human being involved, which I think makes it immensely more complicated. And, you know, uh, you know, that's what brings up so many, so many more questions. So Grande said he enjoyed watching um, because George Stephanopoulos asked him, like, what was he doing? I think we all know what he is doing. We don't want to get demonetized here. We could all assume what he was doing. Uh, but Grande said that he enjoyed watching. He also said that they that she mentioned that they were at a swingers club the night before, but said that it wasn't their thing, that they wanted a more intimate session. Now, what's interesting to me about this is when I read that, the first thing I thought of was that's a little predatorial mm -hmm. because you have a place, which he names the place too, in case anybody out there is curious, Miami Velvet. <laughs> I don't know if they're still open, but that's the name of the place. If you're going to a place where that's that's basically the objective of the evening, right, it's to find somebody else to, to share the night with, you're on the same level. In fact, you're almost at a lower level if you come in contact with a with a, a couple that's more experienced than you are. Whereas if the, it's a two-on-one situation and you're a lot older and you're going against somebody who's a lot younger, um, also there's a financial ramification in this dynamic right off the bat because he's obviously the pool boy for a hotel that's pretty expensive to stay in. And I'm sure that they were throwing money around right away. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's already a couple of like dynamics here that's kind of like, 
they're above him. Yeah, and he was young. Wasn't he like 20? Yeah, he was 20 or he was 22, whatever it was. And, um, you know, he went on to say after this first encounter that they spoke and, you know, they were kind of like, you know, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And he said that he had this video game addiction when he was younger and he wanted to help people with this video game addiction. And so Falwell told him, all right, well, look, you got to to do something like that. You got to make money first. So why don't we do this? You look around for a couple of properties that we could buy. You manage the property and I'll give you 25% ownership. So he got him like into this employee employer relationship kind of right away which which again is kind of predatorial predatorial and like i know he's an employee but isn't that kind of like prostitution or like because you're being paid they're paying him and yes he is working but they're probably expecting stuff in return yeah, I would say that it's a it's a pretty big, uh, pretty big no no. Now I should this would be a good time to mention that uh, they're denying all these allegations, obviously. Oh, of course. Um, but this is just what uh, Granda is alleging. But yeah, I mean, essentially, there he's getting paid, or he's getting you know a piece of the hotel that he was or the hostel that he was running down in Miami, and they they there was numerous encounters. They said um, in Miami at the Gansevoort Hotel in New York. Kind of doesn't make me want to stay there anymore, ever. No. Um, and uh, at a couple of other locations. So that's that part of it. Now, in Politico today, there's a story that uh, comes from a Liberty University student. And this student says that Becky Falwell uh, jumped into bed with him and started performing on him uh, while she, while he stayed over at the Falwell home after a band practice with her eldest son in 2008. So again, like this is the stuff of Lifetime movie, internet porn searches. Like you go on any of the porn sites right now and you'll find a billion of these, you know, cases all portrayed by actors and actresses. This is supposedly what it's coming out to in real life. And by the way, this is a weird time to say this though, but what about this, the, these kids, these poor kids, you imagine this guy that his friend was over and then he goes and finds out that his mom was with his friend, you know, that's just, and it's always, they're young. Like, yeah, that's, that is predatory. Like you're going after young hormones, going crazy, young, adults and it could be quite uncomfortable take my word for it between frank's mom and janine's mom i have to deal with this sort of harassment all the time <laughs> so i you know both <laughs> we're gonna find out if they're watching and listening to the podcast i'll tell you what oh um, my god wait janine would be having a field day right now the faces and the comments about her mother yes. phyllis would be endless if she that, were here. that's why i love janine that's why I love her. Yeah. Rest in peace, Janine. We'll forever miss you. It's no, unfortunate past. Oh no, she's still alive. Okay. Um, yeah, so that so that was basically that story. Now, Becky Falwell is denying this. She is saying that, hey, now everybody's gonna come out of the woodworks and accuse them of something. Um, and so now we're getting into this. He said, she said, so it goes into the court of public opinion on whether you believe it or not, you know, that's entirely up to you. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm reserving judgment to wait and see. 
I do know that another student said that this student, this person that that got the act on them, uh, they went and told this other student right away. So that's that. And then there was a text message. Um, Politico got a text message that they screenshot and included in their article. And so there it is from, we're showing it on the YouTube and Facebook channel. Again, if you're listening on the podcast networks, thanks so much, but you could also watch the show if you'd like. And don't forget to subscribe on uh, Facebook or YouTube. Uh, so the text message says the kid's name, it said, um, so Becky is texting this kid and it says that somebody else told her that the kid wants to cut his bangs. So she writes, I think that you are beautiful just like you are. You don't want to cover up those killer eyes of yours, and you know the bandana drives me wild. Oh, well, do whatever you want to do. Now you have my two cents. And then uh, after that, a considerable time after that, because there's a date in the text messages, she wrote, I haven't sent you a song in a while. Hope you like this one. You have got to watch this movie sometime. I really think you will like it. And it says attachment unavailable. And then she wrote, sorry, one more song. I can't believe that I just found this. Elton John is, and then we don't see what happens after that in the text message. So uh, outside of it drives the bandana drives me wild, there's nothing really there that's pretty damning. But I mean, she did tell this young kid that the bandana drives her wild. That's But why is she texting him? Like, that's your son's friend? Yeah. That doesn't need to be like a text back and forth like that. Right, like that's inappropriate enough. Yes. But there's a, there's a, yeah, yeah. Oh, they listen. Everyone's marriage is different. We're not here to judge, but come on now. And again, like what's weird about this, you know, what's weird about this is these aren't underage kids, but you know, they're they're way younger, you know, like. How old are they? 19, 18, 19, 20. Why do you think that there are, um, what are they called? When you go away to college on the, in your dorms, they have like. like RNs, like people on the yeah, floor? They have that because, I mean, 18, yes, you're legal, but you're still learning. You're still growing as an adult, like into adulthood. You're very, uh, not immature, but easily manipulated by an older woman. Yeah. Which when I was like 18, 19 or 20, I was wishing for that kind of stuff to happen. I was oh hoping. God. <laughs> Never quite did for me, though. But I'll tell you what the weird thing here is, is that kind of makes it a, a smidge on the inappropriate side. All kidding aside is these were the, the this is the leader of the school of the university like. You know what I mean? It gets yeah. a little weird there. If the single older lady in your neighborhood flirts with you and wants to have a relationship with you, okay. You know, if it's a it's a, a born of a natural thing, fine, great. But there's just something odd about a couple doing it, targeting a specific sort. Like, again, these have all, like you go back and you look at the Epstein stuff. You go back and you look at, who's the fat guy who did the movies there? Weinstein. Like oh, they yeah. they were all Harvey. in these positions of power and mm -hmm. it seems weird. But now that I'm a parent, like you just hear about these things and it just makes you I don't I wouldn't 
I wouldn't have, if you told me 15 years ago, I'd be uncomfortable talking about an older woman going after a younger male. I would have been like, you're crazy. That's not, I would never be weirded out by that. But I am weirded out by it now a little bit because my children have ruined my life, essentially. Yes. That's what I'm... <laughs> well, that's because we have a boy and we have a girl. So it's different situations affect us. Like yeah. everything affects us because we have one of each. And you like to think, you know, it might be sexist to say, but you like to think like, oh, the boy can take care of himself and you just got to worry about the girl. But you you, you got to worry about the boy too because like, I mean, all right, this happens. Like who's to say this guy don't fly off the handle and get crazy jealous and whatever, come after you, you get beat up or even worse, hurt more than that. Like, you know, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a real crazy risk. You know, yeah. I realize it's all fun and games, uh, you know, when it's produced in, in the fantasy porn world. But when you get down to reality, I mean, it, it's it's a it's, lot of people can get hurt with stuff like this. So because of it. Justin uh, Lee Miller is a research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. He is the author of the blog Sex and Psychology. He's got a book called Tell Me What You Want. The science of sexual desire and how it can help you improve your sex life. Maybe we should get this guy on the show. Actually, now that I think about it, he just wrote a piece that appears in the Washington Post. So, you know, take that for what you will. Um, but I think that he would have written this piece regardless on his blog where he did a study and he studied the sexual fantasies of 4,175 Americans from all 50 states. Uh, he asked participants to report how often they fantasized about hundreds of different people, places, and things, including cuckolding, which is essentially what Jerry Falwell Jr. is, and also Andy Bernard. Um, a majority of heterosexual men, 52%, so slight majority, but a majority, said that they had fantasized about watching their partner with someone else. Heterosexual men who identified as Republican were the most likely to report having a cuckolding fantasy at some point, and they fantasized about it more than Democrats. Fewer than half the Democratic straight men, 49%, reported of have having fantasized about cuckolding. So we're talking about a 3% swing here. It's not the most drastic thing. Yeah. Um, and 19% said they have fantasized about it often. By contrast, nearly two-thirds, 64% of heterosexual Republican men reported of having this fantasy and 30% said it is a frequent fantasy. So what is that? 30% to 19%. Republican men also reported more fantasies about infidelity, swinging, and a wide range of sexually taboo activities, including voyeurism. Uh, one way to understand why these desires are so much more common for conservative men is through what sex therapist Jack Morin termed the erotic equation, which is spelled out as follows. Attraction plus obstacles equals excitement. Oh. That checks out. That makes sense. Attraction yeah. plus obstacles equals excitement. Okay. Which is why you get a lot of like crazy people and dramatic people like the crazies tend to be a lot better, you know. Uh, you know, at the, at the sex. I yeah. That's what I find. Uh, the basic premise here is intuitive. When we are told we cannot do something that we want to do, even if we do not have a particular strong desire for it, those restrictions make us want to do it even more. See, I thought that was just a Sicilian thing. I didn't realize that that lies inside no. of everybody. I yeah, mean, everyone, not just, just not just. <laughs> All right. I didn't, yeah, I didn't know. I grew up in a primarily Italian house. 
I thought that was just a, a Sicilian thing. See? Yeah. We're learning things together, which is nice. Uh, violating taboos creates risk and taking on a certain amount of risk can heighten arousal and excitement. This is precisely why uh, sex in public was another extraordinarily popular fantasy in the survey. The thrill of potentially being caught in the act amps up the intensity of the situation. Because those on the right tend to have more restrictions placed on their sexuality in general, it stands to reason that they have access to plenty of potentially appealing taboos. That makes sense? Mm. Um, so because they have all the rules and all these taboos that they're interested in, but they can't do them. Right. That makes them even want it more. Yeah, because by by definition, if you're more liberal, you're more accepting, you're more open-minded, it's it's Mm -hmm. more out there and open. Whereas if you're conservative and more religious, just the the introduction of religion, you're introducing basically a set of rule outside of faith, a set of rules in place. You know, and so by by that equation, if you introduce more rules into something, there's more of a chance to be defiant and then again, there by opening up taboos. Um, So I guess that makes sense why. I am kind of surprised that it's right around the 50% mark for both uh, Democrats and Republicans. Like to me, 49% and 52% is way higher then I would have put this at if you asked me about this before I read this. Like, I would have put this in the, if, if, because we're talking about it more now, probably 15 to 20% of men thought about this range. And maybe before all this came out, I would have probably said around five to 8% of, of guys probably thought about this. That's where I would have probably guessed where this yeah. was at. That would have just been, it would have been my, my guess right there. And it's, just these men are just it's just watching their wife with another man yeah this is just the cuckolding part not i mean they talked a little bit about the swinging and the other things the infidelity and all that uh but it's just the the cuckolding part now this is totally different than like a threesome um because in that all three are participating this is, I'm going to sit on a chair and, and watch some man. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Like, if he gets involved, is it not cuckolding anymore? Is it just a threesome? I don't know. That's I don't know people like that don't know that. You know, maybe they're interested in a threesome and they feel that it's, that maybe that why, that's why the number is so high. Because people don't know the difference between both of them. I don't know. Oh, maybe. I see what you're saying. So they're just confusing it all. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I tend to think that once some other person is involved in your relationship, it, it's it's there. Whatever that whatever it is that is is there. I, mm-hmm. I see. Like I see what you're saying. There's a difference in just watching and participating, but the, the your your wife in this particular case is still with another guy. So I I you know it's yeah whether. Whether you're in it or not, to me, is almost, you know, the, the shocking wanna... part of it is still in both scenarios, is what I'm saying. Yeah. What also bothers me is the hypocrisy. What do you mean? Because, because of, like, the conservative side uh, of 
the conservative people are so faith-based. Right. And all that goes against your faith. It's super hypocritical. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And it's like you can go against your faith, but someone who doesn't even believe in what you believe, they're wrong. Yeah. And and I'm sure that, that there are people that I'm sure there's people that probably struggle with that. Yeah. Where they're probably like they are they know they're doing something against their faith and that's probably one thing. Where I think it gets really annoying is it's those people that are out there preaching about stuff. Oh yeah. And then going to do this, which is why this is so much worse because even though Jerry Falwell Jr. was not the preacher that his father was, he's still in charge of this university that's entire, you know, mission statement is conservatism and religion. And it's like, this is exactly against all that. So he's perpetuating all these things and not believing, living or doing any of them. And then it's hyper hypocritical. Like, do we ever think like, Maybe he never really wanted this. Like it was just all thrown upon him and expected because of who his father was. Yeah, there's probably some. There's probably a little bit of that tossed into this little soup of of psychological screwed upness. Yeah, because that that's it can't be easy. His dad was a real prominent figure and a big deal for a long time, and then he did get. I was reading about him. He got sucked into running the university because the run, university wasn't doing well. When yeah. he, he graduated, he went there. He graduated from it. He became a lawyer. Then he started doing some real estate things and did really well with it. And then and then his dad kind of put him in charge. And he grew he grew the thing from like being on the brink of closing to having like one point six billion dollars in the in the tank. Just just they call it an endowment, but it, he just had money in the bank just waiting to be used. You know, so they were they were doing just fine. Yeah. So he's obviously a smart, savvy business person, you know. But it's well, weird, like sad. you don't expect like these like captain of industry type guys to be so you know to be into stuff like this. That, that's just you know I don't know. I, it seems a little out of character, but you, maybe it's not. You never know. You never know what's happening <laughs> behind closed doors in people's houses. That's what we're learning. Yeah, <laughs> but I, mean, I really like them just to keep those doors like closed. But fifty percent of 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 the the men in this survey that's that's strikingly high to me. Like to me, this is a nightmare. Like if I like, and you you've been there too. Like we've all had the 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 nightmare where you wake up and you're like, oh, you cheated on me in my nightmare. But we call it a nightmare. You know, it's a nightmare. And I like hate you the next day. Yeah, we've all been there. But this is like, you know. I'd love to know the ages. Like the ages of the people that they interviewed and then the ages, like the ages of the people that are in that 50%. Yeah. To see if it's like a generation thing. I wonder. That that is a good question because you gotta you gotta because I mean they're in their forties fifties the Falwells maybe in their forties late for, mid mid forties late forties I I wonder I wonder if so they, then what does that make them they're not boomers no they're younger than boomers but they're older they're not millennials what is that the Generation X is that my that might be the Generation X. More like Generation Triple X, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh. 
Hi-yo. All right, we'll leave it there. Um, next episode, we're super excited to have uh, Dylan Howard on the program. It's it's going to be a great show. He wrote a book all about uh, Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, and uh, it's done really, really well. It's called Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Spies, Lies, and Blackmail. I'm told there's a, a nugget of information in there on the Clintons that's of interest and some relatively new information, so... Um, we'll, uh, we'll have that for you on the next episode. If you're looking for that, uh, Ghislaine and Epstein content, uh, it's coming on the next episode as Dylan Howard will be joining us. So that'll be an interesting show to say the least. Cuddles, thank you for stepping in as guest co-host today. Oh, thank you for having me. Excellent job. You look lovely. People can't see you, but you look lovely. Very nice. Thanks. You did a great job. Very funny. Very fun thank and informative you. today. Great questions. And that's why I married you. I, I know. That's why I chose you. She chose me. I got lucky. You did get lucky. <laughs> all right. We'll leave it there. AnthonyOnAir.com has all of our links and information. Remember to rate and review on Apple Podcast. And uh, join our YouTube channel, which is blowing up. Our Facebook's doing great, too. We love all the people that watch on Facebook. Thank you. But our YouTube channel is really blowing up. Uh, so we appreciate everybody who's subscribed over there and uh, continue to share the podcast around on your social media networks. Uh, tag us if you do so we can uh, appropriately say thank you. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 